Welcome to episode 112 of For the Love of Guns. This is the podcast about the people, the products, and the priorities of the firearms culture. It's my pleasure to welcome back Susan Romanoff to the show. Now, Susan is going to talk about your hand and why guns may or may not fit your hand correctly and what to do about it. But before we talk to Susan, it's time to pay the bills, and this episode is brought to you by Falco Holsters. Man, I really love Falco holsters. They handcraft these things and the quality is absolutely amazing. Go check out Falco holsters because they can build a holster for every gun, any budget, without sacrificing quality. And if you use the checkout code Banshee, you'll save 10%. Now, this episode is also brought to you by Ammo Squared. It's time to rethink ammo. Not like the ammo itself, but really. How we store it? I'm looking at a shelf full of ammo down here. It's probably not the best thing to keep all my ammo in one place. I can keep it at Ammo Square. I just buy it and they just stock it for me. And while it's there, it's insured. So that way, if something happens, I'm going to get my ammo back. And what's cool about their platform is on a really kick-ass website, you can buy and ship and return ammo. Awesome concept coming from Ammo Squared, the link down below. Now with the bills paid, let's talk to Susan. Susan, tell me about your love of guns. Not a problem. Susan Romanov, SFWA founder here. That stands for Shooting for Women Alliance. Started that in 2000 after being held hostage in my house in 1992 for, guess what? Five and a half hours at knife point. Then I called 911 during the altercation. They didn't answer. And after that, things got crazy. Two years of being stalked. And since then, 501c3, Shooting for Women Alliance, where we train a lot of people. I've trained more than 100,000 women and a few good men how to increase the odds they're going to prevail in the event they find themselves in a self-defense situation. So how's that for short and sweet? That is awesome. And for everybody that's either watching or listening, um, I'll have a link down below. This is Susan's second time this year on the podcast where we talked about your journey to where you are now, which is such it's I want to say it's such an amazing journey. But it's it's sad that it was an amazing journey because of something Horrible. bad that happened in your life. Yeah, it was bad because because if I remember correctly, 911 did not answer twice, twice. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Twice, not once, but yeah. twice they didn't answer the phone. Exactly. So, but uh, we wanted to get you back because after we after that we recorded that last one, and then for like the last hour before we even hit record, we were talking about all kinds of stuff. Is this happens every time we get together? Yeah. But we, I wanted you to come back because we're going to talk about fitting handguns well to your hand because exactly. when I was a gun dealer and people were getting new guns. It's like, you know, I want a Desert Eagle as my first gun. And it's like, no, you, that, no, <laughs> just don't do that. It, that. It's a cool gun. Don't get me wrong. There's, the, you know, the cool factor of that. But, you know, I always told people the gun has to pick you, not you, the gun. And people are like, well, what's that mean? I go, it's got to fit your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or else it's, it, 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 I mean, you can make do with something. I mean, I used to compete with Glocks. Um, you know, Glock 17 was my was my competition gun. Mm-hmm. It was great when I was young. As I get older, carpal tunnel starts creeping in. Um, the ergonomics of it weren't working. I switched over to SIGs because of the ergonomics. Because mm-hmm. 
that's what that, that gun picked my hand. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about fitting guns because this is not, you know, we were talking offline. This is not a male versus female thing. This is just putting a tool in your hand and having it fit your hand. Absolutely. Now, just think about it. Um, after that whole ordeal, Jason, I actually got a call from the sheriff in the county where I was who said, huh, go get a gun, come to us. We're going to make you a special deputy. And that means we're going to train you how to use a gun and how to protect yourself because we'll only be seconds away uh, or minutes away when seconds count. Right. And that seems to be like a new cliche that everybody's saying. So I went on that path to try to find a gun. When I walked in the gun store, I said, I need to buy a gun. The guy behind the counter said to me, we don't have guns for girls. Yeah, I thought I was special. I said, hey, the sheriff sent me, you know, sorry, yeah. we just don't. And he's all these humongous guns. And in the uh, stock room in the back, I heard this marker say, hey, we have a lady Smith. It's a revolver that came in. And so they literally I said, I'll take it. So they sold me a lady Smith. I have it here somewhere. I'll show it to you. Here it is. And um, safe. I have broken all these guns down. But and, this and we and we are going to be handling multiple guns here. And both of us have checked all of our firearms before yeah. we started recording. And we don't want to keep saying, "Hey, we checked this already," because that'll be about yeah. half the uh, half the time. But exactly, um, this was this is the actual gun that I had. And guess what? When I went to qualify with that gun, with the instructor from the sheriff's department. He immediately said to me, you'll never qualify with that gun. You have to hit more than 100 rounds at 75 uh, or at 25 yards, which is, of course, 75 feet. And he says, and you can't miss the, the 10 ring. And I, he said, we don't have an officer that can do that. And I said, well, my life depends on it, right? Yeah. After I shot all my rounds and he brings the target in, he looks at me and I did everything I needed to. And he just looked at me and he said, uh, you passed. And I said, my life depends on it. Right. But yeah. what he didn't know was he never looked at my gun. He never looked at my gun, Jason. When I got that gun, it had beautiful rosewood grips. When I tried to hold on to it, they flipped around in my hand. I couldn't hold on to it. It was so slick. Right. Yeah. Then have you ever tried to look at the sights on a uh, revolver. The rear sight is in the top of the frame. There is no like stick up sights to look through. Right. You got to. It's, yeah. it's actually in the frame. And then I end up with what? Guess what? I end up, sorry about that. No calls all day. And of course, they're calling me now saying, get off that podcast. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, so in that whole process, for me to acquire sites quickly and actually be able to fire the gun was like hard. So I went and had uh, sites on that had trinium sites and they glowed in the dark green at night. I thought it was cool. I like cool, right? And so anyway, that was a lot of fun. Hello, everybody. Hey, Jason, I think it's the president calling. Just going to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to talk to him. We know why, right? No comment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. so, anyhow, back to where I was. And so being cool was, was great for me because those sites glowed in the dark. But anyway, there was another problem. The trigger, I couldn't pull the trigger with one finger. And so many people yeah. want, oh, women should have a revolver. You should have a revolver because you don't have all these things to do. Well, guess what? I couldn't even pull the trigger. So it was so long ago, Mr. Timney himself put a Timney trigger in my gun, oh, right? Wow. So I feel like it's a classic. And that trigger is so easy to pull. It's just lovely, right? But then there was another problem. 
I couldn't control the muzzle of the gun. And when I looked at the gun, fire came out the end of the barrel. I didn't know anything about guns. So I go back to that guy who told me they didn't have guns for girls. And I said to him, can I ask you a question? Can you like, um, uh, do you know that fire comes out the end of this gun? Like you can see it right out the end of the gun. And he, he goes, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I said, well, could, you know, there's a lot of pressure and I can't keep that muzzling. Could you drill me a hole on either side of my front sight right there? So maybe that fire will go out the top and through the front. And then I'll have control of the muzzle a little bit better. And he looks at me, he goes, that's important. I said, I know it's important, but can you do it? You know, yeah. he says, it's important. He was so dry. Okay. And I yeah. said, yes, I get it. Can you do it? He said, yes, I can. It's P O R T I N G, you know? And I said, well, why didn't you tell me? So anyway, I got it magnaported then at the time. Right. So, but I had to make that gun work for me because it didn't work. I, my life was in danger. I needed to increase the odds I was going to prevail and having a gun in of itself that doesn't really work with your unique qualities is a very false sense of security. Hence, how do we fit you for a gun? And why is it important? And that's what we're going to talk about, I guess. And that's the greatest thing about this. And I love, I love that story about this because we see these guns. I mean, now over the past what, five or 10 years, we now have guns that are marketed for women. But they're still the exact same gun, but now it's in rose gold. Oh, yeah. Right? Or I mean, it's not really, it's not really, I mean, it looked wise, okay, great, it, it appeals, it appeals to a certain demographic, but it's still not a gun for someone. So that's why it was so important to get you on here is how do we pick a gun that fits our hand? Because, you know, fitting a hand and getting our shots down range and accurate is Part of the equation. We talked. We talked about this after, right. you know, uh, that that we're going to talk probably in another podcast about gear and stuff like that that helps you. But we need to get the first part done correct. Exactly. Choosing the tool that fits our hand. And then so, the question becomes: Truly, what actually helps you hold on to that gun? That's the real key. You got to exactly. be able to control it, operate the different things, and and for what it's worth, do it with one hand because you might not have the other hand. I mean, and, and it's important to talk about that because, yes, I can shoot a Smith & Wesson 500. I'm going to have a death grip on that thing. My grip is not ideal, right? I mean, <laughs> no, right? It, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to control that gun, but it's yeah. not going to be the ideal grip to, right. for accuracy. So, well, I did the same thing with a 454 Casul. I was able to literally, they couldn't hit the the guys that owned it couldn't hit the crosshairs said everything was wrong with the gun it needed a new scope needed everything and i was just like oh can i try that just for a minute you know and so i shot the gun and my shot went right here right on the crosshairs that was my shot but in the end i could feel the recoil if i just relaxed my hand it would have laid itself on my forehead yeah. that's not for self-defense even if i can hit the target really well right exactly it's so, funny because you're you're talking about that um yeah. I remember when the Glock 26 first came out, uh, I was living in Maryland. My father and I got those right when they came out, right? We went to the range after we waited our waiting period and it came on the roster and all that other stuff. We couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with this gun, right? And we're like, are the sights wrong? Uh, you know, something's wrong with this gun. And then uh, one of the ROs at the range, she came up, she shot Ipsic. She's like, oh, is that one of those new Glock 26s? We're like, yeah, she's my shoot. 
like oh, it's not very accurate she picked that thing up and just drilled holes right through yeah. through the yeah. 10 ring and we're yeah. like yeah that's not that's not a gun problem no exactly um, and the fact is honestly that's a whole nother podcast if you think about it yes it's really solve that problem there's ways to do that i like the fact that it was a girl that's really cool that yes. she helped you out all right so i have a question you know like so here's my hand so put your hand up where you can see your whole hand now what's the difference in my hand in your hand preferably we can tell easily the size but are your fingers fatter than mine thinner than mine right how long is your thumb compared to how long my thumb is? How wide is your palm area here, which works on how far around the grip you can get? So your hand and my hand is different. With all of the courses that we've done with this, because we actually have a course that fits you like this, um, people send us their handprints all the time. And I mean, my goodness, we're talking short thumbs, long fingers, small palms, really long fingers, huge palms, you know, just amazing differences. So what do you do? to get a gun that fits and what actually makes a gun fit you. So one of the things is I'll start with is that you can control that gun, the recoil of that gun, you can control it with one hand. Now we're talking for self-defense. We're not talking just to be able to shoot any kind of gun, right? So for self-defense, you have to be able to control the recoil with one gun. I mean, with one hand of that gun. So that could have a lot to do with ammo people say well gee you know that's a that's a nine millimeter i can't shoot that but so i need a 380 or a 22 well you can shoot a 45 accurately if the gun is made in such a way that it helps contain that recoil it's all steel it's a 1911 you know full-size gun it has a whole lot of better things than the polymer guns like the Glock does, for instance. That's another reason it makes it really tough, right? Because it's much lighter weight. You can't control the recoil again. So there's this there's this thing about what how is the gun made that handles the recoil as compared to what the actual caliber is. And that has to do a lot with the gun itself, right? The construction yeah. of the gun. All right. So can you do it with one hand? What else do you think is important when you have it in one hand with a gun that would fit you? Well, your grip has to be correct. You mm -hmm. know, uh, for in being shooting, you want to have the the front back grip, not the death, you know, grip. You know, you're not making a fist holding mm -hmm. onto the gun. Mm -hmm. There's there's a way that you need to hold that gun so that way it stays straight. So when, because when we learned, and I'll pick, I will pick one up here that is unloaded. One of the things I learned when I was shooting is with a grip, and when I was doing it wrong, when I squeeze my hand actually cocks a little bit mm -hmm. so that's yeah, right. i learned how to get i learned how to get a good grip of the gun it's not it's not a, you know like i said before this okay well let let me just do this i'm gonna have somebody jump up for me um you and i i don't know if we did this at shot or not but the most important thing is these two fingers in your front strap of the gun okay so if, if the front strap of the gun fits great in these fingers. Let's see which way to go. You're pulling too far. Somebody thinks they're tougher than me. Okay. Now, if it fits good and solid, right? We're talking bone to bone, basically. The front strap of the gun fits in this flat part of your fingers. Um, you can do like tug of war and you just hold, pull. There you go. You can hold, control it. And he, he can hold onto my hand and it's not going anywhere because that front strap of the gun is flat. But what happens if he just squeezes really tight and now notice you can see the, I have to go this way, it's opposite. 
the knuckles of the hand right here, right? And now he mm -hmm. tries to hold on to me. My hand comes right out. It slips out. It just slips right out. But yet if he's in the forefront, he can hold on to it, right? But here, if he gets a hard grip, comes right out. So why is that? And I'm going to show you. Put up that picture that I showed you that shows the alignment, the proper alignment of the uh, front strap with your hand, your, your grip hand. Right. Let me pull this up. Should have given you a heads up. The real object is not only do you hold it with one hand and operate the buttons with one hand, but you have to be able to control the gun with one hand and then, of course, not lose it in a fight. Now, this happens to be a weird looking photograph, but it's actually showing where those two fingers, which is um, your center finger and your ring finger, are the ones that really hold onto the gun the most, that you end up with the front strap of the gun in total flat alignment with that second digit of your of your finger, right? That needs to line up. Now go to the next one. Okay, so we are um, going to the the one the that says the fatty that I can't remember the name of the file, but um, it should be the Sorry, second. I got the, I got, got the bad order. <laughs> it's it's the one that talks about some yeah. meat of the it's finger. Yeah, it's right here. Okay. That now one. yes. Um, if you now, if you line the front strap, uh, front strap of the gun, even with that part of your fingers, then as you can see, that meat of your finger, if you just take your finger, you can just move it. You can feel it move all around. But if you lay your finger flat on the other piece of your hand, you can tell that there's a solid connection there. That's what causes you not to be able to handle recoil in a gun, right? Because it's going to slide up and down in that meat of your finger. That bend of your finger is so soft. You can just feel it. I mean, you're essentially making a, a tunnel down the front strap of your gun by going into the actual knuckle rather than into the actual, um, well, flat surface of your, of your exactly. finger. Exactly. So two pieces of two things that are solid together, you can control them. You can hold on to them. But as soon as you put a solid thing into a meaty, swishy kind of moving part of your finger, it becomes very easy to disengage. Now, it's not just losing the gun in a fight that creates the problem, but it's also the ability to control that recoil. If that gun moves in that meat of your hand, you can feel it just up and down, right? Then you're that's going to also be a situation with being able to control the recoil of the gun. So we want to make sure that that lines up perfectly. But there's another element to that, Jason. And that is that if I put a, if I put the barrel of the gun along into the, uh, lined up with the V of my hand, and I line that up going straight through, if I can try to, this is hard to figure out, straight through my wrist down here, okay? That's what they say, line it up so that you take that recoil into your wrist. What happens when I'm now nervous and I pull my gun out and I point the gun and where is it going? I can't see because my hands are there, but you can see that it's, it goes to the side. It doesn't, it's yes. not straight directly. It's going to go to the side, which means you're going to shoot right past this part of your head. As compared to if you line the barrel up, the muzzle of the gun the, at the end of the barrel, right with your shoulder. And now if I line that up coming through fitting right with these parts of my fingers, like we talked about on the gun, when I point, I'm pointing directly where I plan to point. See how that's nice and straight as compared to it going off to the side. 
Um, that is a very, very important part of lining the gun up. The other thing that'll happen is when you have the um, when, when you have the gun in your hand held properly, these things will line up and the way the gun looks will be straight like this. When you're holding it in your hand, the way you would hold it, it would be literally not kicking out to the side. It would be up and down. Well, it's weird with the camera. It would be, yeah. it's got totally backwards. Yeah. Yeah. It so there's to it, right. You would have no, no kick over to the side, either in or out. You want that barrel to literally line up straight, pointing straight down your, the side of you so that it becomes an extension of your finger pointing wherever it is you're going. And just because you lay your finger on the frame of the gun doesn't line that up, right? The other thing that's important is that when you have the um, your grip on the gun, that there is some meat right here. See this meat that kind of comes across onto the gun right here? Yep, right into the back strap there, yeah. Yeah, so if you can wrap a little meat around there, then you have more control of that gun. As compared to if when I hold the gun, there, this too, this gun wouldn't do it. I'll use, I'll use another one. If we do this with the gun and the meat of the, well, you can't, I'm trying to show you. Oh, this is really <laughs> weird with a camera. I'm sorry. I should have done yeah. a video before. Okay. So if that, if I can't grip around enough and now I have all this empty space in here, yep. it looks more yeah, like you this, can see that. Right. As I, now I, I have no real control of that. It comes through as compared to when the gun would actually fit me. Now I got to run it around a little more to where now it doesn't kick because of this meat. Right. All right. So let's, let's just show a photograph real quick. I'm sorry about that guys. Let's show the pictures of um, photo A, for instance. Photo A. Okay. Photo A. Photo A is an example of how the meat actually wraps around the grip of the gun. And there isn't a lot of space between the fingertips and your, uh, uh, the back palm of your hand, right? It's not a whole lot of space. Right. Go, go to photo B. Look at how much space there is between the back palm of my hand, which you can see doesn't even wrap around the back strap of the gun as compared to my fingertips. What ends up happening is that gun can be taken out of your hand very easily if you're shooting one handed or you're in a fight because they'll just take the part where the magazine well is at the bottom and they will flip that up and rip it out of your hand much more difficult to do if you have a little more meat on the gun, but you can't have the meat. Go back to photo a for real quick. If you can, you don't want the meat to be because you wrap your hand around farther. If you look at the knuckle placement of that second knuckle link underneath of the trigger guard, it's like a straight line. There aren't knuckles that are pointing out. You don't see the points of the knuckles, right? So, right. If, you, if I grab that gun in that manner, I have that much of a reduction in the space as go now to, to B, photo B. Same place to place your fingers, right, on that knuckle on yeah. the strap of the gun, but look at how much spread we have. That's yeah, too it's, spread. It, yeah, because I'm looking at that. It's funny because even looking at these pictures before we started and looking at them now and having you explain them, I can now see that where you now have gaps in yeah. between the gun. I mean, we, we always want to talk, you know, at least in, in competition shooting, we want to have the most amount of contact with our firearm. 
Absolutely. to control it. And those are the pictures right there that I wish, uh, I'm going to date myself, um, that someone taught me 30 years ago mm-hmm. going, you know, going into competition shooting. Well, while you know, you're talking, I'm sorry, Jason, I didn't know you weren't done. No, that's okay. fine. I just, that, that says, that says a lot right there about having the max amount of contact with your firearm. Right. That's what they're talking about. Right. Now, notice how the left hand would people say, okay, you grab your gun like this and now you fill up that space with your left hand, your 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 support hand, and you lay that hand in and put your thumbs kind of like little swimming dolphins or whatever, you know, and now you've got your left hand onto the gun and it's got some connection there with your left hand and that helps you to control the gun more. And then you have people that tell you, you need to push both sides really hard together. So now you have a good connection with your right hand and your left hand and you're pushing and pushing, except you don't, what if you only have one hand, there's no pushing. That's to start with. No, there's no pushing. Yeah. Secondly, in a fight, if you can't hold onto that gun with one hand and the way you do that is to have enough meat around it on that grip, whatever it is, and have it lined up with that particular spot on your hand. So, you know, you have more control of that front strap and back strap together. And, and now you have a chance to fight. Otherwise you find yourself having to try to fill in the gaps and you don't want to have to fill in any gaps when the time comes to defend yourself, right? You want a gun that you, that works for your unique qualities and it doesn't always work the same for everyone. Um, let's keep going with photo C for a minute. Sure. And we're going to look at that. This is from the bottom side to show how things line up. Now, photo C is incorrect. And it's incorrect because, as you can see, the front strap of the gun is in the knuckle part, that soft meat of your finger. See that? It also... You can see the gun's also canted in your hand, too. Absolutely. And and that's what happens. People pick pick guns up that way all the time. And that also naturally pushes your trigger finger farther in to the gun. Okay. Now people will grab a gun like that and then maneuver everything, twist it around to line it up and may even get a couple of good shots or be able to shoot. Okay. At a hole in a target. But when the time comes to protect yourself, you're not going to be able to control that. Okay. Now let's go to number. uh, What's the next one? D let's look at D. D. Yes. Because D and E are going to show you two different things. The other thing that you want to do is make sure that the palm of your hand fills up and, and actually touches into that grip. See there? Now, if as compared to looking at photo E, where there is space. See the space? Yep. See the space? I do. Right. And if you'll notice, that has more of an elongated kind of grip, more flat on the sides and longer, right? And then if you go back to the other one, go back to D, you'll see how it fills it in a little more. But still at the top of photo D, you can see that the front strap is right into that flat area on that second on that second uh, piece of your finger. Yeah, and, and in photo D, you can see that the gun is perfectly aligned uh, straight up and down with your knuckles there. Absolutely, and look at the amount of palm that comes around on the other side right there. Okay. So that's a very important thing as far as contact goes. Now, if you look at this particular photograph, you can see this, if you're, if you know guns, well, you can see this is a 1911 style gun. It's a single stack gun because of the magazine size, the magazine. Well, that's, that's open, but notice the grips have a, they're rounded. 
they're kind of thin yes. on both sides and they that puts more meat into the gun. Some people will pick up a gun that has this same frame, this same kind of size, we'll say. And because it's got that rounded uh, grip on it, it doesn't fit their hand. So for some people, if they take those grips and make them straight grips, which we have just straight pieces of, of, the, of the grip on the side, then it brings it in a little more and it does fit them. So a lot of times it's the thickness of that grip that's on there as compared to the length of their own fingers and whether or not they have to grip like this or whether they grip like this. See the difference? And it, could, yeah. it really is. It doesn't matter as long as you get what you need and this part <laughs> Look, I'm so ambidextrous backwards. Um, this part needs to line up, right? Not the point, but the flat part of that finger. Yeah. So it's it's funny. I'm I'm thinking about um, you know, what I like to dry fire. Okay. Mm -hmm. And one of the one of the tools I use for dry fire is, is a Mantis uh, Mantis X10. Okay. Great tool, but I've always thought of you know they keep on talking about too much trigger finger, right? Mm -hmm. And and it's so funny is right when I saw that pistol and how it was canted in your hand and mm -hmm. you had two, I, the first thing I saw was two inch trigger finger, but then I saw the reason why mm -hmm. it's this, these are things that people are not talking about. You know, I think we get into these ruts uh, with instructors like, well, that's just too much trigger finger. Well, what does that mean? Well, you got too much trigger finger. Right. Well, is it too much trigger finger or is it the placement in my hand? Because and that's what put too much trigger finger in. Absolutely. These are, these are things that people just like, they just throw blanket statements out. Um, yes. And, and that's a, that's one thing that drives me nuts as a content creator, you watching, so watching, you know, comments where everybody's a keyboard warrior and they know best. Mm -hmm. These pictures show us why, I mean, yes, it is possible that I could put too much trigger finger in, but then my hand would be really weird. Mm -hmm. Whereas if, if the gun is in my hand correctly, mm -hmm. my trigger finger should just be right there. It would be correct. It should be correct. Now, the other thing is if your hand is, if the palm of your hand is too short, if this palm of your hand is too short to reach a completely around the gun, what ends up happening is you, let me pull this one up. You can't get high enough on the grip if your if your hand is too short, and so you end up having to come down here to get that total grip around it. Now I'm using this just to demonstrate, okay? Where if your hand can't come all the way up and spread out more because you don't have enough palm, then you can't even get high enough up on the gun, which creates an, another issue. So that's why it is not every gun's going to fit every person, of course, but that's why some guns work better than other guns do. And it all has to do with how that precision, I call it a precision fitting to your hand, right? And the other thing that we haven't talked about is you've, you've seen the pictures with this fingers kind of out of the way. I could turn my yeah. eyes backwards here. Okay. But when this finger, I'm just like, whoa, when this finger's out of the way, right? This one's out of the way. It's how these particular these particular areas line up when this one it doesn't really count it, it has to do with these yeah. this finger you can drink tea with okay and yeah. you don't need to hold on to the gun you really don't uh but if you break it in the fight your rest of your hand doesn't seem to work okay so in essence that little finger has to line up properly on a grip See, there's there's a good one, right? Okay, lines up properly to where if I turn this gun this way and I just beat 
my hand like this, like I'm going to be in a fight. I come down onto my pinky. We don't want this to get broken. Notice how it still stays flat. Not everybody's pinkies are the same. We all know that, right? But if this pinky was like this, or I, I guess I have to find, let me find one to actually show you. Um, if I show you one where the pinky doesn't do so good, this little guy, and my see how my yeah. pinky kind of bends a little bit more up right here, and I can't even, even when I pull this one, what's going to happen is that pinky is going to be sticking out like this from the side-ish, right? And when I come down on it, I'm going to break that pinky. This is a little exaggerated, but that's the difference. So not everybody's pinkies line up. This gun, of course, does not fit me at all because I can't get this hand around it right. and line things. It's still, it forces me to make this right here. Now see yeah. these, my pinky's lining up, right? My pinky's lining up just fine, but I have points up, over here at the top. Yeah, it's very yeah, different. Yeah, because it goes, you have, you have a flat point on your pinky and then you have basically mountains on your two knuckles. Mountain peaks on the other. But what happens when I hold this gun? That doesn't happen. This one, I yeah. like my hand twisted. Come on, Susan, you can't be that wrong. See how that pinky, the, these yep. are, these, these, whoops, let me backwards. These can line up and this pinky will come around so that when you see it, it's flat. And this is what you're looking for, this flat thing. So when you hit that little pinky, you're not going to break it. You don't realize how important that is. A lot of people say, oh, I need this extra magazine. Like I'll show you this gun. Okay. This one has an extended magazine on it, right? Yep. A lot of people want a place to put this little, eh, golly. Okay. They want a place to rest this little finger. This is a good example of where is my finger? It's pointing. Right. It's not flat. See that point sticking up? So when yep. I get to fight, that point's going to get affected. It's much easier. Same gun, Okay. Without the extended magazine, people go, oh, I don't like this because it feels weird. You know, I don't have anywhere to put my little finger. Well, let me show you why yeah. this is important. If this finger sits here, everything lines, every, well, let me grab a hold of it. I'm trying to do it for the camera. Everything can line up okay, but when this finger sits under here, what is our punching factor? We don't, it doesn't break anything. It's all nice and steady, yeah. right? And it's because when we grip something, we don't grip with this little finger out. We grip with our with that punch that you were talking about. We grip like yep. this. So if this finger doesn't notice how it naturally sort of comes farther in, it's there's a break there. So as soon as I put an extended magazine in, I shove this out. You're right? moving the mechanics of your finger out. Exactly. Yeah. And I can't hold on to it as well. But if I want to punch somebody, this is the way to do it. And I'm not going to break that little finger. And that's the same yeah. thing for when you grip a hold of the bottom of the gun, because you will be in a fight, Jason. You are going to be in a fight for your life. Very rarely are you going to get the object, the option to be able to shoot them at however many yards away. More than likely, as a civilian, you're going to be ambushed. When you're ambushed, you have to you have to act quickly. You have to be trained to act right. All those things that we talk about. But we are more than likely going to be fighting physically in a fight. And we don't want to lose that gun in a fight. Now, no, I can do it. It's so funny. Well, it's, I love when I get to put you up, uh, you know, on full screen because I'm sitting here like I'm, I got my Glock, you know, my um, my Glock 43 here. And I'm, you know, it's I got my pinky out here. Right. right. And I'm looking at my knuckles and I'm looking at my hand placement. I'm like, but I like my Sig P365 better than my better than my Glock, you know, 43. 
And then I'm looking at it going, it's wrong. Exactly. Now, why is that, and why is that important? It's important for a lot of reasons. It's not going to go directly from the muzzle of the gun from your shoulder. So I point somewhere. It's just natural. Wherever I point, the bullet's going to go. That's important. The other thing is you're going to be twisting your wrist to line that up. Yep. You just can't help it. And when you twist your wrist and the recoil of the gun goes off, the wrist goes back to its weakest link. And so you have, unless you can muscle it to death, you don't have a natural ability to be able to hold on to that gun. But let's talk about something else. You have to be able to reach all of the functions of the gun. This one's yes. kind of hard to see. Let me try to use this one that might have a little more color to it. Well, we'll use this one. Okay. You have to be able to reach all the functions of the gun if you're going to use it, right? You got to be able to reach this safety. You should have a gun that, let me close this. Okay. You should have a gun that the safety when it is on is up. And when it is off, you press it down. Now, not all guns are that way. Why is it important for that safety to go down instead of having to push it up to get the safety off? Because to push it up, I literally have to press my finger back. Yeah. I lose my grip. There are a lot of guns that the safety operates moving it up to take the safety off, which is very counterintuitive to being able to grab that gun and like drop it. Like the Beretta. The Beretta is the, the exact same way. I right. I have to, for me to come off a safe, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually moving my thumb back. Exactly. To get and to you it. Just that gun in your hand. Yeah. Right? The 1911, not that way. The 1911, no. you can just. 1911, it's just right there. You just drop it down and you're ready to fire. Yep. Now, the other thing that you'll notice is when you have that. Um, the, the safety drops down, which is down right now. Pull this up so you can see it. When you drop the safety down and it's natural, you just, my finger doesn't want to squeeze. But if you have to press up, you end up trying to move this finger to get more pressure behind on this yep. side of the gun. And when you do that, you come across this. It's just like you go from here to squeeze to get the, this to work and you end up getting your finger into the trigger, which can be a really bad problem. The other thing that's important is we want you to be able to um, grab that gun. It stays open. It, a, a good self-defense gun should, the slide should stay open once it's empty, right? And a lot of people argue about, well, we don't want to use these slide stops for slide releases because they're going to get worn out. Well, I'm going to tell you, I've shot many, many guns, a whole lot of rounds. And I've never had one of these little things to wear out. So I use it to be able to increase the odds that I'm going to prevail. I pop that magazine out by being able to reach that without moving the grip of my gun. My gun's really good. When I put this magazine in and I turn it and I drop this and fire the gun that quick, just drop and fire the gun, you end up taking away a lot of time to then have to rack it or use two fingers to drop yes. the magazine, that kind of thing. You want to make sure that you can use the magazine in and out. You want to make sure that you can drop the safety on a down a downward swing so it's a natural grip and it's not like coming back and trying to press it up and down. And then you also want to make sure because if you're going to be in a fight for your life, you're not going to lose the gun. Now we talked about how not to lose the gun just based on where you put the front strap, right? And how your hand wraps around. Yep. But think about this. Here is this little guy. This is your Glock. I have another Glock, right? Look how tall it is. Um, this is the, uh, the Glock gun. It's the Glock 19, right? This is a crowbar, okay? 
just like a nice crowbar. You can lose that yeah. very quickly. Okay. If it's too big for me here, I'm also going to lose it this way and probably, or this way, it's going to come out of my hand. It's going to twist right out of my hand this way. It's going to twist this way or worse. They're just going to come back like a big crowbar and I'm going to lose that gun. So that is a serious consideration. How long is the barrel of your carry gun? Because can they grab it and use it the way they need to? Um, there's another issue that we have with some of these guns, and that is those ridges that are on the front, right? Um, let's talk about these ridges right here. The finger grooves, yep. Yes, the finger grooves. Not, yeah, the ridges. Oh, well. Um, <laughs> they're like ridgy mountains to me, but anyway. Okay, so the thing is, when I put my hand into this grip of this gun and I lift them up, do my fingers line up with these or are they not in alignment. Golly, I, I've never like tried to do this this way. <laughs> okay. These it, look trust like me, it's, it's fun doing it on my side, trying to figure it out when I have like multiple guests and I'm trying to point to the right person. Oh my gosh, it's um, like crazy. I can't even, I yeah. can't believe I can't figure Okay, so anyway, if you could just sort of see it, do these line up? Now, in my case, my middle finger is on the top ridge of this gun, right? Okay, when I come mm -hmm. down in there, it's on the top, which means now I don't have solid connection. I've got this, this bump in my in the ridge of my hand. Um, this happens to be a little sky gun. Is the uh, I guess it's the DVG one, which stands for by the way David versus Goliath. I thought that was kind of interesting, but anyhow, I, I this, did not know that. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. This one, however, does line up just perfectly. See, there you go. Lines up just perfectly. This finger is not here or otherwise, right? So now I at least have good connection. But what happens? It starts to spread my fingers. See the space? You can really yeah. see it here. Spreads my fingers. And so if you take your hand and you squeeze and you want to punch somebody you or you want to hold on to a hammer or something like that, you have a very good uh, connection with that grip, okay? As soon as you spread these fingers out, and I'll, if you just try to squeeze your hand and spread your fingers apart and see how strong your squeeze is, you can't get a good grip, a good squeeze on something as you can if you do like this. So putting something in between these fingers can be a problem. If they don't line up, then that middle fingers or the finger that doesn't line up is going to not have a good connection, and you're going to find yourself not being able to control that gun. Now, why don't they put... Uh, the little ridges on or the little finger grooves on hammers, right? Because you can't hold on to them. You got to have a really good, strong hold when you hold on to that hammer. You don't want something interrupting that. Same thing. For it's a funny gun. because for uh, these, these polymer guns, you know, some people put, you know, they, they send their guns out for stippling, right? They, they put a texture on them. And some, you know, when Glock decided to start putting finger grooves on, a lot of people were just taking those finger grooves right off because that's what was happening is your right. fingers wouldn't line up. And then right. when they did, they were just, they were wrong. It, it yeah. was just wrong for your hand. Right. So people were just shaving them straight off mm -hmm. to get that front, that smooth front thing. So that, that way their hand fit right, you know, right to the gun and Correctly. you didn't have any of that. And it's different for everyone. It's totally different for everyone. You know, what I thought you were going to do was talk about um, <laughs> when they first came out with polymer guns, they didn't have a lot of, of like resistance on the grip. So people would have them stippled or they, that's one of the yeah. reasons they're like the Springfield XDS, for instance. Um, it's a single stack gun. Um, it kind of was the shield and it go, uh, what do you call it? Head to head on, on people buying yep. them. 
but it had a more aggressive grip. So that was very helpful. Aggressive meaning it had more, you felt like you had more connection to, to your hand with it because it had deeper grooves or whatever. People started putting these Hogue like sleeves on. Yep. Some of them. I, have I used to run. I used to run that in competition on my Glock 17. Mm -hmm. And what was so the weirdest thing about that was, is that you put them on, you get the, you get them, you know, the ridges all lined up. Mm -hmm. And then after a shooting session, it had actually cocked around the gun a little bit. Exactly. And, and it's just like, well, if, if I'm moving that sleeve, I'm like, all right, well, maybe I just didn't put it on right. So I straightened it out. Mm-hmm. And then after the next shooting session, it was moved back. I'm like, mm-hmm. something's going wrong with the mechanics of my hand. Yes. Of why that's happening. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. And the other thing is that those sleeves, no matter how hard they are to put on, when you hold on to the sleeve, the gun is moving. And the gun yes. is shifting in there. And you've got the sleeve, but you don't have the gun as well as you think. So for a few shots, not a big deal. But after a while the actual grooves or that sleeve sits where your grip is and what's inside of it is loose. This whole stuff in here is loose so it can move. But more importantly than that, okay, that's in competition. You want to hit well. You don't want everything shifting. You don't want the gun out of alignment, all those things. But what happens when you're in a fight for your life and somebody grabs your gun and they go to twist it out of your hand? They slide it right out. Yeah. And and you had to use like a a shoehorn to get it on to start with. You think that's never come up. I literally mean Susan, you know, little girl doesn't look too much like a gun chick, although, you know, secret secrets do happen. And so (laughs) they hold that gun and they and I just tell them, hold on to it really tight. I'll take your gun away. No, you can't. All I have to do is twist the gun. It isn't even a fight. And they're left holding that hand, that thing in their hand. So people yeah. don't realize how serious that could be when it comes to a fight for your life and you could lose that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I eliminated those. Uh, I had, I, I ran for a couple of months and then I just eliminated it. Cause I'm like, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, yes, it's kind of nice to have the finger grooves, but quite frankly, I've never shot with finger grooves before that. Cause you know, my Glock was a Glock 17 gen too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going back a few years. Um, I never had finger grooves before then. So why did I need them now? And obviously they showed me I didn't need them. Mm-hmm. Um, especially ones that just moved. So yeah, I limited, I was like, these things are coming off of, off of the gun. It's just, that, well, that's a dumb, that's a dumb yeah, thing. It is. And here's the thing. How many things can a manufacturer do to a gun to have a new version, right? So the first version comes out with, with a gun like this straight up in the front, right? Next version comes out. It's got ridges in it so that you can have a better grip on it, a little more in both the front and back. See right here, it's got some ridges to it. So you have more connection right there. And then they get this bright idea that you ought to have grooves. Okay. So then they put the grooves in, in all the models and they think this is great. Somebody told them that when you have your hands like this, if these line up, the gun doesn't move up and down as much. It, it won't slide back and forth because your fingers keep it from doing that because there's this resistance, right? That's the object of it. But if they don't line up, you have all the other problems. But look at the difference in these ridges compared to the ridges in the Glock 19. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I'm so crooked. Okay, here we go. <laughs> these hardly stick up and these stick up a lot, right? Yeah. So if the whole object is to keep you the ability to have something between your hands like that, you know, your fingers to keep it from sliding up and down, then of course it would seem that the bigger ones would make more sense 
just saying. But in the end, it really does cause you not to be able to hold on to your gun in a fight. And so you don't want to have the crowbar thing. You want to be able to reload, drop the safe or drop the uh, slide release, fire that gun quickly if you have to get back in the fight faster as compared to having to rack and do all those things. So because no matter how fast you get, Jason, you might not have that other hand. People forget no. about that. They're not. And what about pushing and pulling? If you can't control a gun, this is your self-defense gun. Okay, your self-defense yep. gun should be the one you can defend your life with. If you can't control that without pushing forward and pulling back because of the recoil, you're in a heap hop, you know, load of trouble. Well, and it's funny that you're saying that because, like, for me, my competition gun is completely different than my carry gun. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's de it's designed differently. It's uh, I shoot it differently. It's got feature. It's got features and accessories that are not on my carry gun. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, because I have, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a grandmaster. I'm not competing at the top levels. Mm -hmm. But if I take an extra half a second, that's not a big deal. When I'm talking about defending my life, a half second, mm -hmm. I could be dead already. Yeah. Um, I need, I, you know, I need that. And I, I love the way you're talking about grabbing the gun from someone's hand, because that is something that people don't talk about. Right. And I love that you're you're we're, we're learning how to grab our gun correctly, mm -hmm. why we grab it, how we keep those gaps out of it. And then, you know, now you're talking, you know, we're talking about if we have it wrong. Now we understand that there's gaps, gaps. I mean, for me, you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania is a wrestling state. I wrestled when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Gaps is if you're on your back mm -hmm. and you're getting ready to get pinned, you're trying to create a gap to turn. Absolutely. You're learning all. You're learning all the mechanics of this. Yes. That now makes perfect sense to me. I mean, you know, I'm uh, well, 51 now. Um, you know, I've been shooting since I was seven. Mm -hmm. These are things I'm learning in my 50s that I should have known, you know, 40 years well, ago. You know, here's the thing: most people who actually work with handguns, whether they're law enforcement, military, they've got some backgrounds. Law enforcement's always been given a gun that really wasn't set up to fit them perfectly. So I feel they're, they're issued a gun, every single person, tall hands, you know, tall guy, short guy, you know, long fingers, fat fingers, whatever. You all have to operate the same gun. So they don't have a lot of practice in being able to figure out why this could, and they don't carry that gun. So they have to compensate. Compensating is a bad thing. When it comes yes. to defending your life, you don't have time to compensate, right? Military, if they're using their handgun, they hardly ever even tra uh, train on one, even if unless they're snipers There's for some reason or a special force. So yeah. now look at them. They don't even know much about handguns. So what makes the difference? And why why am I now this, this expert on fitting guns? It's because... I use critical thinking for critical situations for a civilian. And that's, I was in a critical situation. I had to figure out why that gun they gave me wasn't going to increase the odds I was going to prevail. And then I had to fix it. See? And for me, yeah. it needs to work naturally with your own unique qualities. Like, I mean, when I was a gun dealer, I had, uh, uh, well, I have law enforcement and military uh, personnel that were buying guns and transferring guns through me. And what's funny is I had a lot of military people buying Berettas. Mm -hmm. And you know, I remember talking to, to one of the soldiers going, 
why are you buying a Beretta? I mean, do you like the M9 that much? Because we don't get time behind the gun. Right. Because we we qualify once a year. That's the only time I get my hands on an M9. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be deployed in six months, mm-hmm. and I don't know, you know, I know how to operate that gun. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm proficient enough with it. He goes, mm-hmm. but that's my life. Exactly. Yeah. So he had to go out and buy a Beretta. Right. Because that's to the range and shoot right. and shoot as much ammo to it to figure out how to operate that gun to save his life. Exactly. And that goes back to who is it that should pick the gun that you're going to carry for self-defense? It shouldn't be on a, a site where everybody's, oh, I got this gun. You should buy it, too. Or now we're all yeah. a member of the big club because we have that gun. It really has to do with your unique qualities. And you have to make that decision because it's your life that's going to be saved. And you can't yeah. just go on the fact that, well, it worked for someone else, because clearly uh, not everything fits everyone the same. And you're no, like, I mean, I, I mean, you know, a gun is like a shoe, right? Yeah. I mean, you might, yeah. I, my shoe is not going to fit you. It's not going to fit my wife. It's not going to fit the guy next door. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It might fit this person over here because he's got the same size shoe. Exactly. But, um, you know, but even then, even if it's a, you know, even if I have a size 12, is it, is it a wide? Is it a narrow? I mean, yeah, these are, you have arthritis or little bumps on your foot. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. All those things that happen in your hands. You know, something that we need to talk about, too, is when we pick a gun for uh, for self-defense, we, again, want to get rid of all the potential things that could go wrong as much as we can. Right. And have all the things that we can on that gun be accessible to us with one hand. That's your best scenario. I, don't, I hope you don't have a certain manufacturer that manufactured a certain gun, who, by the way, I just love the manufacturer. I'm just going to mention. But um, I'm going to talk to you about some of the problems that we have that can cause you a problem when the time comes to defend yourself. Now, we all this is the um, this is a 380 easy gun and it's a gun that's sold like crazy. Right. Everybody's buying them left and right. It has a backstrap safety. Again, it's back here. This is so weird. Anyway has a backstrap safety. So that's supposed to be an extra feature, right? 1911s have backstrap safety. So, hey, it makes a lot of sense. And of course, it's very simple to manipulate the slide. So everybody thinks this should be the gun. Well, one of the problems with this, well, there's a few of them actually with this gun, is that if you remember that soft part of your finger that I told you, the the skin of your hand, if you grip this gun, you're supposed to run your ridge of your hand right up in here as much as you can. Okay. And if I don't know how to show it to you, but literally this skin on my finger is very soft. That skin goes into this little groove. See right here. So if I come into this, like I should straight in and down on the gun, right? Like this, that skin, that soft skin of my finger fits right in here. So when I grip that gun, it pinches that skin on my finger. Yeah. So what ends up happening is, huh? As soon as you held that up, I could see I could see the gap between the top of that right of here. that safety. And because yes. you know, if we're talking about carrying in a holster, I'm coming straight down on my gun. Right into this to grab spot. it, that right is, into that thing. And I saw the pinch the skin. Yeah, I saw that pinch point. I'm like, that's that's not a good design. Right. Now what happens is this you end up if you come into it right, when you grab it, it pinches you. So therefore you're flinching some, right? The other thing is in order to squeeze this 
safety, this backstrap safety enough to engage it, you have to have a pretty good strength grip, grip on yeah. the gun. You got to squeeze, right? Okay. That means now I have to squeeze even harder. And why is that? Because that particular, look, there you can see it. That safety oh. is in the softest part of my finger right here. The same thing as this meat on your finger is soft. Well, imagine, look how soft this is. So I have to put all this squeezing pressure on here in order to hold on to that gun. So it's a much harder squeeze just to get that safety to work. Now, let me show you. Here's another problem. If I or a lot of people will grip the gun lower so that this- They can activate the, the safety. They can have, yeah. so they grip, grip it lower. So now you end up with this, this gap in here yeah. that you don't want because that makes this go harder to operate, right? We know that goes or to, to maintain the, the recoil of the gun. The other thing is, this is all, let's say you get past all this, okay? And you're holding on, you're doing really good. Now, I'm going to shoot with two hands. When I line my hand up the way I should on this gun, now I got to get a really good grip. I'm going to put this other finger in here, because, and I'm going to shoot that gun two thumbs up. That's what I'm going to do, right? Two thumbs up, straight out. Well, guess what? That's all great at the range. But what happens when I'm in a fight for my life? And I have to hold on to that gun. I pull the gun out. I'm holding on to the gun. I'm going to smack the guy. Uh-oh. What just happened? Yeah, that was that was interesting. The slide comes out. Why is that? As soon as I go from this grip to this grip and squeeze, it's out. It's out. Yeah, I have not... a lot of people say when they reach in to get their gun, when you reach in to get the grip of your gun, most people reach in like this. They don't reach high up. They just do. They're grabbing for something. Your hand naturally goes like this. Once they get it, they move the hand up as they lay this other one in. Right. So what happens when they come out of the magazine or when they come out of the magazine, when they come out of their holster, right? And they have their grip this way, as they're pulling out of their holster, out. the magazine will disengage at the very, you know, best you'll know, but otherwise you don't. And then what happens when you hold on to that gun, you're nervous you, and you lay this other hand here to hold on. Notice how it goes a little bit underneath. Now I yeah. squeeze really hard. And when I squeeze really hard, when I go to fire the gun, it doesn't work because as I've squeezed it, it pops that magazine out. So that's a bad design. This is a serious problem when it comes to self-defense. I cannot keep my hand high enough up on that back strap because this thing pinches like a son of a gun. Yeah, that's now. Is a backstrap safety the problem? No, a backstrap safety is a really good thing. Only which backstrap safety do you have? Let's look at this backstrap safety. Pop this way. Oh, <laughs> look at you. Get no back to you. Okay. There we go. Yep. Look at this That's funny. I was going to grab my. I was going. I was going to grab my 1911. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So you, if I can, you're probably better at this than I am flipping these things around the camera. But this is where the activation part of that backstrap safety is, yep. and it's very smooth. So when you run your hand up in here, it doesn't hurt. And the, just like on the front strap of the gun fits this part of your finger right here, right? And holds on. The back strap fits that meat of your hand. It's right in here. I can, I can activate that particular uh, back strap safety without having to squeeze so hard on the gun to make it activate. And, it, and what happens? You get all lined up to fire and you, um, you, 
you have to squeeze harder before you pull the trigger because you got to yeah. engage that backstrap safety on the on the shield EZ. And then that's the, that's the thing is the harder you're going to grip onto the gun to activate that safety, your hand's going to start shaking because you're grip you got the death grip onto this thing. Yeah, your shots are not going to be there. I mean, that's why uh, I I love my 1911 because it's yes. it's what they call you know. It, a 1911 is what they call a pointing gun, right? Because okay. it just points. Um, because if it hits my hand, right? Well, every I, gun I can grab it. Gun as long as it fits your hand just right. Yeah, it, grab, it grips it. And then that safety is is not, I don't have any pinch. Even if I was shooting a government version, which does not have the extended beaver tail, it mm -hmm. doesn't matter because it's still hinged right yep. here. Exactly. You're still using the majority of your, your hand yes. to activate that safety. Absolutely. Now, here's another reason why you probably like your 1911 really well, and that is because they're well-weighted, right? When you yes. grab a hold of oh, gosh, I feel like I'm pointing everybody. When you grab a hold of it and you hold it just like you would normally fire the gun, it's very well-weighted. It doesn't fall forward yes. in your hand. Okay. Now, I asked you earlier to talk about, um, yeah, show, show us how you're 43. I'll do the, the big Glock. You do the, let me do the big Glock first. Let's do the Glock 19. Okay. This one, when I try to hold it in my hand, I can grip a hold of it and hold it. So it's, you can see it's level. I'm going to try to get it in the, in the picture. Okay. So I can hold it level, but watch what happens when I just hold it on my finger and the back strap of the gun, the, it falls forward because these are very top heavy. Yeah they fall forward so that's the bigger version now use your little one show them yours show them your 43. so, so this was the 43. yeah so we do this right so when i i get my grip right. and then you have me hold here you can start seeing it dropping it right forward. there right which the gut that was not the worst of the guns so one of my major carry guns is my 365xl right which I got here. Okay. This, uh, yeah. Instantly, it falls yeah. forward. Yes. And what instantly, does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? That means your well, hand, your ability has to be able to keep that gun level. It doesn't do yes. it on its own. So do it's, me a favor. Do yeah. me a favor. Pull up the, the one that says nano. Okay. I will pull that one up. Let's see where nano. There. And right there. Okay, see, this says right here, actual first two shots fired from the Nano at 21 feet. It's extremely accurate, right? Only yep. one chambered round at the time and the magazine's empty. So what happens when you're down to your last shot, okay? So my thing was, I was going to test this gun to see how, it ba how the balance was, how accurate it was. Here it is. This now has a, a little laser on it for other purposes. But here, here is the gun, okay? When you put this gun in your hand like this and I relax my fingers, I can bounce it around and it doesn't fall forward. So already the gun is more moved towards the center. The weight is very good. And I have more of a, a natural control of that particular gun style. But now here is the full magazine. So we would think that we would be able to shoot better because we have a long, you know, more grip on the gun kind of thing, right? So just have one round in the chamber, fire this gun like this, weighted very good, 
put a hole in the backer board that you saw. Then I said, okay, well, surely it's not that good because this with a the flat magazine, I don't have one here, but with just the, the regular non-extended magazine, surely I can't hold on to this gun really well because look what a tiny grip it is. My goodness gracious, look, it's tiny, right? All right. So now when I put this gun in my hand, it lines up perfectly. I mean, just look at it. You can just see it, right? Lines yep. up perfectly. Now that it's all lined up, I fire that gun. When I fire it this way, I have to lay my finger underneath of it, right? But I've got an excellent grip, not going to hurt myself. I fire the gun and it's perfect shot right in the hole of the other one. And this one had no grip, right? No grip at all. Yeah. You think it would do this. Well, it didn't. And the reason is because of that weight distribution, right? And it has a very good trigger pull. Now, sad story. The well, the Glock uh, 43, 42, both of them are 380 or not. Yeah. Either well, the, the, 40, the 43 is a nine millimeter, the 42 is a 380. Exactly. So both yeah. of those guns kind of came out in a, uh, a fight for what the Nano was doing at the time. Pretty much the same size gun, different, uh, different, what do you call it, uh, calibers. Now, problem was it's not well weighted. So if you put one round in it, you're going to have that recoil that you have to deal with, right? Yeah. So we we talk about the weight of the gun, whether or not it flips for Get rid of all the things that causes the gun to bounce around to start with, okay? More important for a woman who's weaker or a man who's weaker than it is for somebody who has a really good, strong grip, right? But there is another thing that's very important when it comes down to, so what's your carry gun, Susan? I can put five rounds in the same hole, 21 feet, one-handed, not a problem, okay? The gun I do that with is this little guy right here. 1911 Springfield EMP version, and it's a 9 millimeter. okay? Now, why is that the gun that I can put multiple rounds in the same hole with at 21 feet? It's because it's well-weighted, well right? Fits my hand perfectly just natural reaction. Everything works for me on that gun, but it only has an eighth of an inch trigger pull. Wow. That's nice. Okay. It's a 1911 gun. They all just, yeah. you touch them and they fire. Yeah. Right. So what happens? I don't have to do this long trigger pull while I'm moving my hand. Yeah. So can I shoot multiple rounds in the same hole with this gun? Look at the length of the trigger pull on it. Absolutely. I can. Okay. Yep. Can I shoot two rounds in the same hole with uh, a sky gun, a little, this, this is a very interesting gun, by the way, someday we'll talk about all these, but um, with this gun, little $200 gun. Okay. Can I literally put two rounds in the same hole? First time I ever shot the gun, two rounds in the same hole. Yes, I'm a good shooter, but which one am I going to do it with better and faster with one hand? The shorter trigger pull. Yeah. So get rid of these long trigger pulls, get rid of all of this, this garb that you have and get something that you can react with quickly if you need to and precisely. And then after yeah. that, you put yourself under some kind of duress. Wait, go ahead. I would, go ahead. Well, what I was thinking of is, so uh, in the Glock, I think Glock and Glock has kind of trained us to this now. Um, I can do it with my SIGs as well mm -hmm. is, we're so used to pulling up to a wall. So here I bring up, there's the wall. Mm -hmm. I know that any other pressure sets the gun off. Right. 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 We've become, we've come to the point where 
we're so used to these guns, um, and yeah, the 320 does the exact same thing. Come mm -hmm. up the wall. We're now to the point, and even I know in competition shooting, shooting the the three, I shoot a P320X5. Mm -hmm. um, after all the recall uh, recalls, uh, voluntary upgrades, um, yeah. I got that wall back that I used to with with um, Glock. I now know that uh, when I go shooting, and even when I you know practice shooting. I'm looking for my wall, right? Mm -hmm. I'm squeezing that trigger, which is bad. I should yeah. be putting my finger on the trigger, expecting the gun to go off yes. when I push it, not pushing it a certain way, feeling resistance, knowing that the next ounce of you know energy that I put against it mm -hmm. sets the gun off. So think about we're training this. Shooter, we're training shooters the wrong way now. Yes. Well, think about this though, okay? Why did Glock come out with that trigger? because they had such a long trigger pull, they couldn't compete with the 1911, okay? No. 1911s have been around for a long time and they haven't done much to them, right? And why? Because yeah, they have- only been like three major changes in over a hundred and what, 20 years. Mm -hmm. And they actually are very accurate, but they're not just accurate because of the weight of the gun and because the person shooting them are good. It's because, think about how long the trigger pull is. You don't have to fight that distance, but you, you're going to find yourself in a, in a fight for your life and you're not going to have a fine motor skill to set yourself. Yes. And then when you take your second, it isn't as far. You're going to just react. And hopefully in yep. the training you get, you're taught how to act, but anything that creates that differentiation in when you pull a trigger is a hesitation. And any hesitation for me is the time it, that you could lose to take care of yourself. But now one thing we haven't talked about is what are these, what about these guns that have a decocker on them or that is, are set up in such a way that you pull a double action pull to start with once for your first one, a long, hard trigger pull. After that, you now have a shorter trigger pull. When that happens, you, the first time you got a long trigger pull and the second time you're not going to go, oh, wait, I don't have to pull as hard. So the second yep. shot you do, you're going to put the same pressure on it when you're in fear for your life and you're under this duress that you put the first time. So the first two shots are going to miss. You're going to miss. You're going to jerk the gun both times. So that was when I came off of Glocks, I went to SIGs. This was the SIG. This was a, a 229. Okay. I had to get used to go, doing that. Exactly that. I had to get used to my double action. Right. right, right. So when I first started shooting, uh, the, you know, this particular gun, I started running this in competition. Mm -hmm. I was burning off the first, I, I caught myself doing this. I was mm -hmm. burning off the first round to get to the single action. Exactly. I was just, exactly. I was just like, I don't care if that first round hits the target, as long as it goes down range and I get to that second, that single action, mm -hmm. I was good. Yeah. Um, now, so I also have a 220. Mm -hmm. Same problem with that. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather grab my 1911. Yes. Yeah, so you know what? Have you ever done a, a competition with your 1911? I have. How how I do have. you fare? How do you fare compared shoot, to shoot a lot, shoot a lot better with my 1911. Yeah, and a lot faster. See, yes. I can, and I can fit myself to various guns. I can shoot any gun, literally any gun, because you have to just use the fundamentals and do what you're supposed to do, right? But what can I do to defend myself in a, the fastest way that I can with the best chance to keep a hold of that gun and for me to succeed? If I had to burn my first shot in a self-defense situation, 
right? You're dead. <laughs> you're knowing you're knowingly doing it in competition, yeah. right? You're, you're competent. Oh, yeah. You do it and then you get back on track. But in a self-defense situation, you're going to lose your first shot. And then because that first shot's so long, you're going to do the same thing again out of sheer fear yeah. and reaction that you don't have those fine motor skills. Well, and that's the thing is you're now reacting to your second yeah. shot. Yes. Your second shot should be instinct, just like your first shot. Yeah. And that's why that's why I don't carry those. Yeah, you know, I used to carry that gun too. I, that's why I don't carry that gun anymore. It's mm -hmm. it's I know I know I'm going to burn the first shot off. I've proven it time after time after time at the range. Mm -hmm. Always going to burn the first shot off. Mm -hmm. I love that gun. It's a great yeah. gun. I absolutely enjoy shooting it. But that is not going to be my defensive weapon. So if if I'm going to burn it off, like I said before, if I'm going to burn it off in competition, if I'm going to burn it off at the range, I'm going to burn it off when I draw that gun to save my life. Yeah. Now I'm already behind. I, yeah. I may already be behind when I burn the yes. first round off. Absolutely. Now I'm even farther behind. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm, I'm reacting even later, which then your stress is going up. I mean, your stress is, you know, you're going to go from a resting heartbeat to about 140 really quick. If you have to defend yourself. Yeah. Now, you know, you, know, you start getting the tunnel vision. All the stuff starts happening to you, right? Because yep. we know under stress, we're not going to result to our highest competency level. We're going to result to our lowest competency level. Yep. Yep. And my lowest competency level says burn the round off mm -hmm. and then deal with it. Now I'm going to start jerking trigger because I got to make up time. Mm -hmm. I'm, trying to I'm trying to force time at that point and yep. you just can't do it. You're trying to catch up. I'm, yeah. When time is lost, exactly. When time's lost, you lost it. You and lost and it. How, how many competition shootings, if you're really in a good position, are lost by a second, or, or uh, uh, you know, every, lost by fractions of seconds? Yeah, yeah. a hundredth of a second or a thousandth of a second. Yeah. So why would you give that up? I'm like, why would you give it up? And that's when you're competing. And that's when nobody's shooting back at you. And that's when, you know, you, you get yes. nervous because you're trying to do something. But if you have to compensate, there's a problem. And I will tell you that many people move their sights on their guns. They have, I have to sight this gun in. They move their sights that are dead on for somebody who knows how to use their sights that now I'm not saying they don't know how to use their sights. They do. They know how to line them up and all the things that you need to, but their trigger pull is so bad. It pulls to the left all the time. So they set their sights up where they can use them perfectly and it compensates for their trigger pull. That is like crazy because even in a self-defense situation, if you have to compensate on the way that gun is, you line it up to fire it, you're not going to have time to line it up and make sure everything's perfect. And that gun is, you're yeah. going to do what you naturally do, point it at the person and go bang. And when you do, yeah. you miss. See? So, yeah, yeah, there's the whole thing is try to increase we, the odds you're going to prevail. Yeah, you know, I'm glad I'm. I was glad that we talked about this last time to come back on to talk about it. Now I'm even more excited that we talked about it because there are so many things that people do wrong. Like well, you were talking about moving sites as a gunsmith I've done, I've got gun, you know, sight pushers behind me. I have a sight pusher. That's gosh, I think I have about $600 into that sight pusher because mm -hmm. it's a really good sniper. just because I haven't pushed a site a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right for someone who mm -hmm. just does I mean, if they line I, I, the gun up right and the gun yeah. works for them, they wouldn't have to be adjusted. It's called compensating. And for yeah. me, compensating there, is not good. 
There's very few guns that I've seen that the sights are off. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It happens. Right. I think, you know, I was a, I was a, I was an FFL for nine years. Mm-hmm. In those nine years, I, I, I've only seen two guns with sights that were off. Mm-hmm. Um, they were not pistols. They were rifles. They were buckhorn sights on 22. Mm-hmm. They, um, they, they were bad. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a low quality 22. But any any gun that I've seen, the sights have been, they're on. I, I could throw a laser cartridge in it, hold that gun, and I, I could shoot it no problem. Yep. Um, but yet I know, you know, I've had guns that come back that I've had to move sights for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, man, nobody talks you really to need them. an instructor. Yeah. And well, and they don't, they don't really talk to them about how that gun lights lines up. You could see it in that yep. photograph that I showed, right? So yep. the whole concept is, fit the gun to where you can hold on to it. It lines up like it should. It's a natural point of aim from the barrel of the gun uh, where the, the muzzle, where it comes out, the barrels in, li- in alignment with the rest of your body naturally. And when you point it, it goes where you want it to. That takes away a lot of the, the need for even using sights, right? Yeah. And then what we train to use our sights for, for the reasons we should, but our sights may not be off if everything else lines up. Because yeah. they can't, tw- you know, it's just, it's sad. It makes me want to cry because I know how much compensation can cause them to lose their life. Yes. If, if you're the kind of person who aims high into the right because you always shoot low into the left and they think you can do that in a self-defense situation, I'm not doing my job. I'm not helping them increase the odds they're going to prevail. It hurts yeah. what I'm saying. It really does. Oh, it does. It, it's painful to watch. It's painful to hear. It's painful all around. So if you're that person out there, go 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 talk to Susan. You see, I'm already pointing the wrong direction. I know you're over there, but so the TV screen you're over there. Um, yeah, so go talk, go talk, yeah, go talk to Susan. Um, but yeah, Susan, we've been rolling about an hour and well, an hour and sixteen minutes. How can people get a hold of you and the, you know, the SFWA and, right. and generally, you know, because you have instruct other instructors and, and oh, yeah. other courses and things that people can go through to start oh, yeah. learning more about this. Yeah, we have instructors in all different parts of the country, but we also have online courses. Matter of fact, we have the What Women Want Get Custom Fit for Gun and Gear class where those people can um, learn about how to get fit for a gun. And at the end, they interact with an instructor, just like you and I would be interacting here. And we get them all lined up for what they need to do. If, if they go to mysfwa.com, just mysfwa.com, you can see all those kind of things there. They can email me from there if they want to. Um, let me tell you what I'll do for you. That class is normally $99, but because, you know, the rogue banshee, over here. Okay. Well, you just found out what the rogue banshee really means. And I don't know if we should, talk, should we talk about, I'll just tell you it has to do with his dogs and that isn't what you there think. You I don't know about you, but really Jason is not rogue. Okay. I've met some rogue people. He is the nicest guy ever. All right. So he is not rogue, but anyway, I don't know if I'd want to cross him though. Just kind of mention him. Um, if they'll use if they'll use capital w's www for what women want or just three w's and 37 um because they saw your actual podcast we'll let them do that course for 37 bucks 
Awesome. Well, we will make sure that all the links are down below. And everybody, we have the links down below. We'll have that code down there for you as well. So those of you that are commuting to work and listen to this in your car, don't try to write this stuff down. Just come back to the podcast and look in the description. It'll all be right there for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Susan, Susan, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. I want to wrap up with a speed round here because okay. you know, I would like to end on a nice, nice light note. Okay. And what's sad is we just kind of did a speed round. And I'm trying to remember all the answers, so we might have a duplicate question, and I'm sorry. Okay. But nine millimeter or 45? Nine. 357 Magnum or. 44 Magnum. Depends on what gun you're shooting it for. I'd go 44 Magnum in an all steel gun and I would do 357 never in an airweight. Just saying. <laughs> okay. For, for hearing protection, mm -hmm. earplugs or muffs? I like custom earplugs. Honestly. See, I just got, I just got into custom earplugs. Yeah. Um, and I'm, 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 I'm really, really kind of like, I had them when I was a little kid and I didn't like them. Uh -huh. But as an adult, I also have some hearing loss. Um, so I'm starting to wear hearing aids and stuff. So I'm starting to take my hearing protection, which I'm sure the audience is like, why is he only asking this question? It's because when you start losing your hearing, you start taking it seriously. Yeah, but yeah, I have, some, I have some custom, I have some custom ear, uh, earplugs as well. I, I call them screw-in ears because you got to turn them in and turn them out. Yeah, you got to turn them in. Yeah, you got to put them in. Yeah. I was Absolutely. real frustrated when I saw how long my ear canal was. I was like, this is not petite like a girl. I have some I have, cannons in what's there. What's funny is when I was cleaning up the uh, I was cleaning up the studio earlier, these are the actual molds for my ear my ears when I got them. And I was looking at that going, man, that's really kind of alien looking, isn't it? Aha, <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh, that should be the alien banshee, but rogue would be left out. There you go. <laughs> um, let's see here. For rifles, mm -hmm. lever action or semi-auto? Oh, it depends on whether or not I'm wearing cowboy boots. Oh, there you <laughs> go. <Lever action> <laughs> boots, yes, otherwise uh, semi-auto is okay. But I personally prefer your typical just side-by-side, -side, crack it open, let them pop out, the old Kim Rudy. There you go. And then, yeah, there I like go. Yeah. So for the last question, we always say it's a thinking question. I'm going to take you to the world's largest building. And inside this building is literally one of anything that has ever thrown a projectile downrange. Mm -hmm. It could be anything from Dennis the Menace's slingshot all the way up to the deck gun of the USS Missouri. Mm -hmm. And you can have, and it's already been cleared by Congress and everybody. You're allowed to own it, whether whether it's illegal or not. You have a special case that you're allowed to own anything in here, and you're going to walk off with one. What are you taking with you? Oh man, my my first instinct, just because of the situation I've lived in in my life, is to say I want a gun I can defend myself with with my eyes shut. Hence, I'd walk out with another Springfield 1911. <laughs> On the other hand, um, wouldn't be really bad to have some kind of a machine gun I could put on the front of our vehicle. I think there I would. Go. <laughs> that awesome. would be awesome. Yeah. Well, Susan, thank you. Yeah. 
thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure having you on. And it's so funny because every time you're on, I learn something. I, I don't even say I learned something. I, like you, they say you learn, you know, something new every day. Mm -hmm. Just talking to you for an hour, I think I learned enough for the month. Yes. Um, yeah. I just, I, I'm catching up for all the stuff that I didn't learn for the past few days. It's, it's thank you. funny. You're welcome. Just remember. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. I, I love to be here. You know, critical situations do require critical thinking. And it's not something you can just take from someone else, right? You have to use your own your own unique qualities and, and use that critical thinking. So I love critically thinking with you, Jason. <laughs> I appreciate it. Because, I mean, critical, critical thinking is a lot like shooting skills. Mm -hmm. They're perishable. Don't use it. You lose it. Yeah. So everybody out there, start thinking a little more critically in your life and also in your shooting. Susan, Amen. thank you so much. Take care. Good to see you, Jason. See you next time. I had a great time catching up with Susan. When the two of us get talking, we get talking for a while. We talked for like an hour before we hit record and um, probably about an hour afterwards. We really did catch up and get a lot of, uh, a lot of discussions, a lot of things that we're talking about. And um, are we planning on her returning so we can talk about gear? Because gear is important when you're talking about saving your life. The gun is just one tool. There's other tools that you need to have, like holsters. You know, the importance of having a good holster is important to saving your life and using that gear correctly. Definitely keep an eye out for her return as we talk about gear. Now for the product of the podcast, it is these rotary tumblers from my friends over at Frankfurt Arsenal. These things are super cool. Now you do got to make sure you crank these things pretty tight or else they're going to leak. It's probably the one bad thing about them. Otherwise, this cuts my tumbling down so much over these vibra vibratory, well, I can talk, these vibratory tumblers. Check these things out, man, because in three hours, you can get a lot of brass tumbled and it looks amazing. Got a link down below. Now, if you're watching YouTube, click that right there. That video is about the infinity targets. For everybody else, there's a link down below. Thanks for listening. Hope you're staying safe out there and look forward to talking to you again soon.